America is the greatest country the world has ever known. We are a nation of immigrants, pioneers, and patriots. Together, we create the bold, beautiful fabric that is America. We are the city upon the hill, a beacon to the world. America is the land of freedom and unlimited opportunity. My name is Tina McCafferty. Join me every Friday as I spotlight those who embody the American values of faith, courage, and heroism. We the people have stories to share, stories to uplift and inspire. You will feel proud, humbled, and blessed to call yourself an American. Tracy Stapley was a loving husband and a devoted father. He loved his country and wanted to serve. Tracy was in Qatar on July 3, 2013, deployed with an Army Reserve unit when he took his own life. Antoinette's story is heartbreaking as she relives the day two uniformed men came knocking on her door. Antoinette channeled her pain into a nonprofit organization, Operation Hero, keeping the memory of Tracy and other Utah fallen military alive. This is Antoinette's American Story. Welcome to this episode of We the People, Our American Story. My guest today is Antoinette Martinez de Stapley. Did I get all of that right? You did. I know it's a mouthful. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for the invitation. I'm honored. I am excited to hear your story. Let's get started with that and maybe talk about your beginning, where you grew up and how you grew up. All right. Well, I grew up here locally in Clinton, Utah. Attended schools, Fremont, Sunset Junior High and Clearfield High School. And the daughter, the middle child, so I've got two brothers, an older and a younger, so come right in the middle. And my parents still live in the same house we grew up in. And so... Yeah, I grew up dancing. I started dancing at the age of three. My dad put me in and continued for many years, many, many years, and even had my own studio, taught dance for many years, and then at the age of 40, decided it was time to retire. At the age of 40? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good long time for a dancer, right? Yeah, well, to be teaching, I was fortunate that my ballet teacher, I got to help her, start helping her at the age of 10. So I was around kids for many years. And so, yeah, I stopped doing that, but I met my husband in junior high. In junior high? Were you, were you smitten immediately? Of course I was with him. <laughs> So the funny part is we were at Lagoon because back in those days, you got to go to Lagoon for homeroom rep day and we were there and he asked me to go on, oh my gosh, I can't, the Haunted Mansion ride. Oh, and it's still there. And it's still there, <laughs> yep. So went on that with him and he gave me an elephant, a stuffed elephant that I Oh, he won, you won? He won. Oh. still. I'm not sure why I kept it all those years, but I did. So, you know, back in junior high, it was, will you go with me? <laughs> I think it's still that, isn't it? I don't know. I dated for a couple months and then he broke my heart because he was a year older. We did go to high school together, but didn't date, still had the crush on him. And after high school, kind of went our separate ways. He, you know, did his thing. I did mine. And then we ran into each other at a homecoming game at Clearfield High. 
and we talked and he asked me to go out and I was trying to play hard to get <laughs> and said, well, I can't do it for a few weeks. I'm busy. And he said, well, you either go out with me tonight or we don't ever go out. <laughs> wow. So I said, all right, let's go. So we went out and dated and two weeks later got engaged. That has <laughs> to be a record. Oh my word. Yeah, kind of crazy. And then, well, the thing was, is we waited two years to get married. So two weeks to get engaged, two years to get married. And we were married for almost 21 years. So 20 years and nine months. Well, we're still married, but and then um, during that time, we've had two kids. We have our son who is 26 now. His name is Trace. He is a pilot, an Apache pilot for the United States Army. He's one of those cool dudes. Yes, he is. But he also gives his mom a heart attack too. I'm sure. <laughs> um, he's married to a wonderful gal that he met through another program. And he attended United States Military Academy at West Point. So he's a graduate, an old grad. And then our daughter is 18, Kennedy, and she just graduated from Roy High this last spring, and she is now attending the University of Utah. And so there's an age gap there, but they both kept us busy. Trace was a soccer player. Candy was the dancer. Your husband's name is, is it Tracy? My husband's name is Tracy. Did he go by Trace? No, he didn't. When did Tracy join the military? Was this while you were dating, after you were married, before? It was after he graduated from high school. So like I said, he's a year older. So he went into the military at the age of 18 in 1986. I have to think of what year we graduated. <laughs> it's been a while, right? Same with me. It's okay. And he joined the Army? He joined the Army. Well, at first he was National Guard. And how... Did that work as far as you dating? Was he gone a lot as he was courting you? <laughs> Actually, he was a reservist here in Utah. So, you know, he lived here and we got to see each other quite a bit. But he did go out on his two weeks or TDY quite often. And then throughout his career, he also became a civilian. So he worked for the Army as a civilian and then played Army on his two weeks. Why did he join the military? Do you know? Well, he used to go back and forth. He would say it was for school, but he was so patriotic. Everything was red, white, and blue. Very patriotic. I know he did, you know, look at it to go for school, but he loved his country. And I always just say that's what it was for. When did his deployments begin then? Well, so he left in, oh, probably believe when we were dating, he did go over to Germany for a little bit, but his very first deployment was 2003. He went to Kuwait. And do you know how 9-11 affected him? Oh yeah, I do. Because in fact, I was just replaying that day the other in my mind because he worked down at the airport. Was he there that day? He was there that day. Yes. So I remember waking up that morning and I normally turn on the news. Well, that morning I did it and I was taking our son to school and Tracy called me and said, Hey, did you see what happened? And I said, no, what's going on? He's like, you always have the news on. Why are you not watching the news? So I flipped it on and he was like, Oh, this is crazy. He was overwhelmed 
like I said, he worked down at the airport. He worked for one of the airlines along with, we owned a company where we delivered all the lost luggage. As far as working for the airlines, he was, he was like, it's crazy. He goes, planes are just landing wherever they can land. He goes, what's going on? And so we kind of talked about it and it really bothered him, you know, being in the army and seeing this happen. And I don't even think he came home that day because he was at work. That day was so crazy for all of us, wasn't it? It was surreal. Yes, it was. And he went to Kuwait in 2003 as part of what? He went as as part of a reserve unit. So I'm not sure if that's what you're asking, but um, so he was actually over there. He had different MOSs and that one he was with a postal unit. What does a postal unit do? They just sort out the mail? Sort the mail. Yeah, kind of crazy. But he was there. So he went over there. And actually, when he first left, I was pregnant with our daughter. And that was about April. And in May, we were working to get him to come home. And he was able to come home and be home for her birth. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he was home for about a month, um, two weeks. And then she decided to come early. So he got to spend two weeks with her. And then he left to Kuwait. And his unit was already over there. And that was kind of a crazy time because when he left, it was actually the day after Father's Day. And I remember him getting on the plane and going to the East Coast and calling me and saying, uh, this is kind of scary. <laughs> Because the plane would go up and then it would come back down to land because they couldn't pressurize. Yeah. So it was a little nerve wracking for me as a spouse wondering, is my husband going to get there? Okay. How long was he over there? Nine months. And did he tell you about his impressions of being somewhere so foreign or were they mostly on a base and it was a little different? He was on a base when he first got his orders, he was told he couldn't tell us where he was going, but then they changed and they ended up in Kuwait, but he did go off base off post a couple times and he said it was different, but he was the type of guy that took care of his soldiers and made sure like the females got to where they needed to be safely. He was just that type of a guy. And so, you know, I learned on his first deployment not to ask many questions while he was over there because I knew he wasn't going to answer them. And even though we talked every day. You were able to talk every day while he was over there? We were. Because of his position, we were able to talk every day on the phone. What a blessing. Oh, yes. 11 o'clock a.m. was our time. And what is it like being a mom with two little kids at home and your husband's across the world. Nerve wracking. So Trace, our son had to grow up. He grew up very quickly to take care of his little sister that I will tell you he didn't want when he found out we were pregnant. <laughs> he would have rather had a puppy. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he wanted her sent back. Um, but he was a blessing. He helped so much. But having Tracy over there was a lot of stress for me because I was also the family readiness leader of the unit. What so, does that entail? So you are working with the spouses, the families. And so if they have a problem, you're there to listen. 
So him and I going back and forth from stories that spouses were hearing, what problems they were having. It was a lot, you know, and having a newborn kind of waiting, but I wouldn't have changed it. It helped me get through it. How old was Trace then when his dad left? Eight. He was eight. He was tiny and he had to grow up. Yes, he did. And did he assume that role as man of the house? As soon as he was born. Even before then, huh? Yeah, he was early. <laughs> what do you think was the hardest part with him being gone? What was the hardest part for you being here? Um, besides the fact that he missed out on all those milestones, especially for Kennedy, her first nine months. Oh, yeah, they changed so much. Yeah, so that was really difficult. Just not being able to call him up when I needed to talk to him. You know, I ha- I was waiting for that next phone call or at that time, you know, it was emails and I don't even think, I think it was still dial up then. So you had to wait for the dial, but it was, it was really hard for me to not have him here, you know, and running Trace, Trace was involved with soccer and baseball and basketball and doing everything by myself. When he came home from that deployment, how was that for Kennedy? She didn't even recognize this stranger. Oh, yeah. She was like, who is this man trying to hold me? That has to be heartbreaking <laughs> a little bit for the parent coming home and your own child doesn't even recognize you and is scared of you. It was. It was very hard. And while he was gone and he would call, I would always put the phone to her ear so she could hear his voice. But she didn't know what he looked like. But it didn't take long. After probably a couple days, they were inseparable. She was not leaving his sight. How many deployments did he have? So he ended up only on two deployments, 10 years apart. 10 years apart. What was going on between those 10 years then? So when he came home from his first deployment, he took an AGR position up in Boise, Idaho. What does AGR mean? Active Guard Reserve. You guys have so many. Military has so many acronyms. I really don't know how you guys keep track of them. Some of the acronyms could be like 10 letters long too. I was like, what's the point of even making that an acronym? So he went up to Boise and then, you know, he came back and took a job down at Fort Douglas with a reserve unit and worked down in Salt Lake and would commute. And then he finally was able to move up to Ogden. And so he was with the military. My father-in-law was a colonel up there. Oh, really? Yes, and probably about the same time. I wonder if they maybe knew each other. He was um, Army Reserve. Well, just ask him if he knew Tracy Stapley. Oh, yes. <laughs> because I'm trying to think. He didn't retire until like in like early 2000s, I think. I'll bet you anything. Yep. Wow, that is, that's amazing. It's a small world. Did that first deployment change him in any way or think did he think about things different how did that affect him it did you know as most military they become very aware i guess you could say of their surroundings Mm. they have to sit in certain places at restaurants and that's kind of how he was he was always watching he was always on guard and i took it I, it was really hard for me at first to understand, but when we talked about why, why he became that way, I understood it a lot more and I just kind of 
let him do his thing. I wasn't a pushy wife to say, tell me, tell me, tell me. He needed to tell me on his time. You knew when to give him space. Yes. And was he okay in large crowds? Oh, yes, he was. I mean, this man loved Disneyland, so you can't get any bigger than that, right? I like him already then because we're <laughs> Disney fans here as well. He so, can't be all bad. Yeah, he did. He did well. But like I said, he was still on the lookout. Did he have any close calls or I don't know if he would have talked about that with you from Kuwait or things that he saw or friends that he lost during that time? Well, he didn't lose anyone, but he he was asked to drive up into a green zone, like an area that was uh, not safe. And he called me that morning and said, hey, I have been asked to go. And being a wife with a newborn, I said, mm, I don't think so. I don't think that's a smart thing to do. And after he thought about it, he called back. He's like, I'm not going. He didn't have to go. He didn't have to go after all. He said, you know, I'm not going to put my life in danger. With that second deployment, what year are we talking and how old are your children? So our second deployment was 2013. Trace is 18 and Kennedy is 10. And where was he going? He was going to Cutter. All right. And how are the kids feeling about this? So this one came fairly quick. In the fall of 2012, he came home and said, hey, I'm going to leave on deployment. Are we good with that? And I said, that's fine. The kids are older. Kennedy can go to the bathroom and feed herself. <laughs> he said, but I'm going to miss graduation, miss some milestones. Oh. We knew it was time. We knew the 10 years was going to be coming. Well, that didn't happen. And then come February. So Tracy was, he was working with a unit out of St. George. And so they left in February, at the beginning, and then he got called up at the end of February to go with that same unit. And so we had basically five days to get ready for his deployment. We took family pictures the Friday before he left, and then he left. And for Kennedy, it was really difficult, you know, because she didn't remember. And so it was really different for her. She wasn't too happy that dad was leaving. Trace was involved with soccer in his senior year that he was like, okay. And at that point, we knew he was going to be attending West Point. So he already kind of knew what the military calls for. When you're called up, you go. So having the two on two different spectrums, one not so good with it and the other one accepting it, it was tough. I will say it's tough for Kennedy and for Tracy. And how were you feeling about things? Well, I know this may sound, some people may take this, like, what does she say? Why, how can she say that? Being an army spouse, a spouse of a military member, I told myself early on, it's a 50-50. I have to go into this 50-50. 50% chance he's coming home. 50% chance he's not because I felt that if I told myself it was always going to be a hundred percent and something happened, I would be even more devastated, probably to the point that I would not get out of it. You had to do something to mentally prepare yourself in case something yeah. happened for yourself, for your children. 
Yes. And so that's why I say I look at it 50-50. So when he said he was leaving, when we knew he was leaving, I have to be supportive. He's my husband. This was what he chose to do was to go and, you know, fight for our country, to be there for our country. So I said, all right. And I supported him just as I do our son right now. And I will continue to do that. I don't have hard feelings towards the military for taking him because he signed up. And he was going as an army reserve again? He was going as an army reservist on active duty. Yes. Okay. And he was going to Qatar? He was going to Qatar. And how long was the deployment supposed to be? So this one was going to be about nine to 10. Well, yeah, about 10 months. And he left in February, March? So he left, flew out on March 1st of 2013. And did he go right there or were there places yes. he had to stop for a while before he went right there? Yeah, he went straight to Qatar. Was there any feeling once he got there that anything was going to be different about this one? Um, no, not really. I mean, no, I, I thought about that and he was going over there this time as a medical logistics <laughs> um, unit. So they supply you know, medical supplies to the different units. And how were you able to keep contact with him there? Because that had to have been hard. You weren't able to do it every day like you were before, right? Actually, we did. You we did? Were, oh, my yeah. gosh. We were blessed. Um, so we FaceTimed in the mornings at about 8 o'clock in the mornings. And then again at night, he did have a, like an office on post. So he was able to FaceTime us and talk to us. Thank goodness for FaceTime, right? Oh, yes. Modern miracles. <laughs> Yeah. And how long was it before he was before that day? It's hard. I mean, and, you know, only share what you want to, because I don't want to make it hard. Oh, no, that's okay. I may get a quiver, but that's okay. I just think it's important, again, that people realize the sacrifice that sometimes people make and they make it willingly. Right. No one forced him to do this. He went because, like you said, he loved the country. He loved the people here and he wanted to protect our freedom. What happened that day? How far along are we into his deployment? So we are about four months in. And so it's June. So at the end of May, we were trying to get him to come home for our son's graduation and surprise him. Well, that didn't happen. And then there was some, an incident that happened over there. Um, I he only told me a little bit about what happened, so I can't really say much. But then at the end of June, well, mid-June, we had, we had a soccer tournament. The kids and I had, were in Hawaii for a soccer tournament, and Tracy would FaceTime to watch, see what he could. He would stay up really late. And we got home, and he called and said, I'm not going to be able to talk for a couple days. There's been another incident. And I said, okay knowing once again, not to ask many questions. So we take off to New York to for Trace because he's got to go to West Point. East is starting July 1st and get there. We're doing FaceTime once again and take Trace, drop him off. July 2nd comes, Tracy sends a text and, and I'll explain what that text is because it gets me. And we're FaceTiming because I'm on my way to the airport. And 
I get to the airport and I just said, wait a minute, let me get the car in. And I remember seeing him and talking to him. And, and then we went and sat down, Candy and I, and I'm going to throw this in there because it kind of helps me. This young kid came over and asked to use the charger for our phone, his phone. He didn't have one. So I let him use it, which normally I'm, normally I would have been worried about having a stranger talk to my daughter. Um, but for some reason we started talking and then he gave me a bracelet and he said to me, just don't ever forget. It takes courage. And just out of nowhere, just out of nowhere. And I remember looking away and looking back and he was gone. And I thought, what, what was that? And so I didn't remember this until a couple of years ago when my daughter said, mom, you talked to dad again as we were getting on the plane. You don't remember this. I don't remember the phone call. And I'm not sure if it was because of everything that happened afterwards that kind of blocked it. So we got on the plane, came home. Um, I got on the computer, was sending Tracy pictures of our son from West Point from um, our day and saying, look, I found him. I found him because I had taken the wrong pictures of him while I was there or taken pictures of a totally different cadet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I was super excited to show Tracy what our son looked like without hair. And, but there was no response. And did that alarm you? It did because normally he would have responded. So I thought, you know what, maybe he's busy. He's busy, so okay, I'll go to bed, I'll wake up, there'll be something. I did just that, but there was nothing when I woke up. So I thought, something's going on. This is not him. He normally responds or call, you know, he calls, and I'm thinking it's gonna be eight o'clock soon. He should be calling. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And I sat down to write our son a letter. And Kennedy had ballet. She was taking ballet down at Ballet West at the time. And so we were getting ready to go and we got the knock on the door. Ugh. When there, that knock came on the door, did your heart skip a beat? Did you feel something or no? Um, I, I didn't want to answer it. Okay. I was nervous about answering, you know, and I'm looking out my window, not quite sure knowing who's at my door. I see two people. And so when I opened it up, my heart, I, you're already wondering what's going on. And my first thought was, which one of my two boys is hurt? Mm. Because Tracy's in overseas and Trace's at West Point. So I'm not sure who they're coming about. And my heart's just, oh no, oh no. And of course, they're not going to tell you anything until you walk in and sit down, which I was, nope, nope, tell me, tell me, tell me. And we had suitcases all over and so they sat me down and they sent Kennedy to her room and what day is this this is July 3rd July 3rd 2013 and I get the we're sorry to tell you um so what happened was my husband ended up taking his life oh I had no idea. I didn't know that. I knew that he had passed, but I, I had no clue. I did not know that. Yeah. So were there any signs? Did you, 
No, there were no signs. And what um, that is just the suicide prevention trainer for the military. He was. He was. Um, and he had actually helped two of his soldiers the weeks before he left. And he had came home and told me that he was helping keep them from hurting themselves. So there were no signs. And he even told me what the signs were, but just there was nothing. And it was very, and to this day, it's very hard because. He didn't leave a note, anything to explain. Nothing. Nothing. So I know what, you know, him being over there and probably everything that he experienced that he wouldn't tell me caught up to him. That PTSD. PTSD. They carry more, I think, inside. Their wounds are deeper. Oh, this makes me emotional. I can feel your pain. The wounds that they carry inside are so much deeper than the wounds on the outside. Yes. And he was probably, I would imagine, being the tough soldier, keeping it all inside, doing his duty until it got to be too much. Because yes. you can't even imagine what they've seen. Right. Right. And that's why I say he just wouldn't talk. Um, and it was tough. It, it's been tough. So going back to that last text that he ever sent me. So July 3rd is the day he passed. July 4th, you know, being so patriotic was his favorite holiday. So it was really difficult going into the 4th of July. So the last text I ever received from my husband was, happy birthday, I love you. Because July 2nd was my, is my birthday. So every year, July 2nd, 3rd, and 4th are like a roller coaster for me. I can only imagine. And how, how do you tell your children? Well, so with Trace being 18, the military went and told him. They did. They did, yeah. So they pulled him aside out at West Point and told him, Kennedy um, is a different story. So she heard me scream that day and came running outside or out to the living room. And bless her heart, an hour later, with everything going on, she looked at me and said, I'm going to dance. I've got to go to ballet. So she had to deal with it. She had to just get away from it, I'm sure. Yes, it was her way. Focus on something else. Well, so she went down to ballet and walked in. Now, this is a little 10-year-old. She's about three feet tall, maybe, at that at that time. She's just tiny and walks in and tells the ballet teacher, um, well, the ballet teacher said, you can't come in. You're late. You need to go sit down. And she said, no, I need to tell you why I'm late and proceeded to say, I just found out my dad died. And I had, all the ballet teachers were calling me asking if that was true. So here's this little 10 year old, just she found this strength to go and, and I asked her later why she went. She said, because my dad would want me to. She didn't know how Tracy died. I didn't tell her. I, I had decided that when she was ready to find out, she would come to me. And when was that? When she was 15. That long? Yes. I wonder why, was she scared to know? Um, I'm not sure, not if she was scared. Every, everybody was asking her what, how, 
And I think that kind of got to her that, you know, I really don't know how my dad died. So she knows that he took his life. She doesn't know exactly how it happened, but so it was a lot on her. And I wanted her to come when she was ready. Um, I knew at 10 years old, her mom, she wasn't going to be ready for it. And how did she handle that as a 15 year old? Um, So she went into depression. She, um, it was really tough on her. It was her sophomore year in high school. Um, It was really tough. Which is such a hard time anyway. Yeah. How long did it take for them to bring your husband home? So, okay. So we went out to Dover on July 5th and Trace, they brought Trace down from West Point and one of his soccer coaches up there brought, drove him because the flight got canceled. So then we were in Dover on the 6th of July is when he came home and, or came back stateside. We all came home. And then a week later, um, (laughs) my husband taught me to be very persistent. So that's what I did and told the military that I would be flying out to escort my husband home on his last flight. And at first they said no. And then I agreed. So I flew out to Dover along with our escort and I escorted my husband home on like July 12th, 11th or 12th. How does that feel flying home with him there, but he's not there? Does that hit you at that point? Oh yeah. It was tough thinking, you know, so many lasts. This is our last flight. My husband's not sitting next to me. He's in a coffin behind me. But I knew I had to do it for him. And our escort, bless his heart, he wrote a story about this experience. And he wrote about things that I had actually forgot as well. Um, And I keep it. There's times I'll read it just as a reminder. And... I guess when I finally landed in Utah and seeing the family there and the military, watching his dad and his sisters, his family, his brothers, and our little girl walk up, I thought, how do I do this? I just brought him home. I felt like I was the bad person. Why? Why on earth would you even think that? I felt like I was a bad person because I was walking and he wasn't. And he should have been walking with me. So there's been a lot, you know, you learn a lot about yourself through this process. And so, and I guess when I say bad is I watch my little girl. I should have brought her dad home. He should have came home differently. This isn't the way she should have seen her dad. Were you angry with him? Oh, very, very. There were many times I've gone to the, the cemetery. And said a few choice words. <laughs> and, uh, wrote letters to him and then burned them. But, um, She's understandable. <laughs> um, yeah, I... We both have all, and you know, I can't speak for my son so much because he is a, he was 18 and he dealt with it differently. He is a man, he's in the military, so he deals with it differently. Um, I know for Kennedy and I, there were many times of yelling and being mad at him. 
How has the support from the military been? Um, off and on, <laughs> to be honest. You know, it's kind of, it is the military. So um, we've had some great people. Uh, my husband's best friend, was, well, one of his best friends is still in the military and he helps us. Um, a few of the guys that served with him while he was in Qatar have reached out. Um, but I guess I learned a lot from him. Just you keep going regardless. What has this past, gosh, eight years, nine years, eight years been without him? Does it get easier? Is it just something that you are used to now that you just learn to live with the pain? Yeah, I would say I just have learned to live with it. There have been so many you know, again, milestones, um, our son graduating, Kennedy graduating, um, our son got married, you know, she's now starting college. So just so many things um, that we've gone, had to go through without him. My son um, married a gal who also lost her father in the military. So, you know, two gold star kids. I talk about a very emotional wedding. I bet. I've just learned to live with it. There's days I get really upset with him and other days I just have to laugh and, and Kennedy will ask questions about him and I will tell her and it makes us laugh sometimes and other times it makes us go just shake our head like, oh. How do you keep yourself from going down that what if, what if, what if hole? Oh. Um, or do you sometimes go down that what if, what if, what if hole? I try not to. Because, because there are no answers, right? Right. There's no answers. I'm not going to get the answers. Um, he's the only one who has the answers to why. So I did just learn that I treasure life. And I, it's, it's me and the kids and, you know, those around us. And I just want to keep going and I want to keep him alive as much as I can. And I will continue doing what I do to keep his name out there. He was a great husband, a great father, son, everything. He was that guy who helped when he wasn't needed. And there's times I'll sit here and look out the window or when I'm driving and I can just see him strut. He had a strut. <laughs> so I try not to go down that what if just because I'm afraid if I do, I will end up in that depression. How do you climb back out? Did Trace join the military then because of his father's example? What was his reason for joining? No. So actually Trace went into the military because he was being recruited by two service academies to play soccer. And he chose, we actually thought he would go a different way. And he called in the fall of 2012 and said, I'm going to go to West Point. And so he went army. How did you feel about him joining the military? How did his dad feel? Proud. Scared, nervous? Well, of course. I mean, a mom. But like I said before, it's that support. I'm going to support my, that's what they want to do. I'm going to support them. I know what, what can happen. But I also know that he finishes. What can happen even after that? You know, there's so many opportunities that he's been given. So I'm just proud of him for how he handled the whole situation. I mean, he's, he was two days into attending West Point and had to go through this whole life change. 
and fly back and forth between New York and Utah as this new cadet candidate. He really was like an inspiration. Both my kids are an inspiration of how they've handled it. You know, um, Trace was given the opportunity to take a year off and then go back. And he said, mom, that wasn't even an option. I imagine it would have just been that much harder to go back after a year. Yes. Yeah. How did he go down that cool avenue of becoming an Apache pilot? I mean, come on, when you think of that, you're like, yeah, he's a cool dude. (laughs) He wanted to fly. Did he have any flying lessons before? Any hours? Anything? No, no. So when he finished at West Point, he went to aviation school, which is out in Fort Rucker. And it would just scare me. It would, he would tell me he's up in the flight. And then, you know, when your son sends you a picture of a blacked out window and he's got to rely on the instruments to fly. The windows are blacked out? But it's part of the training. He sends me this picture and I'm like, you know, you should not send your mother a picture like that. Don't. So it's learning to totally rely on those instruments. Yes. Oh, how petrifying is that? Yeah. But he did great. He came out wonderful as, you know, up at the top of the class. And now he's flying. He he enjoys it. Has he had any deployments? No. Okay. Because that might set your mommy's heart a little to flutter a bit. Yes. Now, what are you doing to help the military community? Because I know that you are and would love for you to tell us about your program. Yes. So I started a nonprofit organization called Operation Hero in 2015, and it was started to continue Tracy's legacy of giving back and helping others. So when we first started, it was, like I said, giving back. We had just a small 5K. That's all I thought of is having just make enough money that we can give back to programs that helped Kennedy and I and Trace through our process. And after a year, the air show was coming into Hill Air Force Base. And I asked a gal that I knew that was working on it, why there was nothing for the fallen up at the Air Force Base when you have 400,000 people going up there. And she came back to me the next day and handed me a paper and said, well, here you go, you're approved. Well, I had no clue what I was doing. I had just asked her why there wasn't anything. I didn't have any idea what I was going to do. So um, Teresa Johnson, who at that time was running a national boot display where she put out a combat boot for all um, service members who had died since 9-11 from all over the U.S. Um, I called her and asked about bringing it to Utah, but it was going to cost quite a bit of money. And so I asked her if it was okay if we did a Utah one, and she said yes. So with Operation Hero, what we did is we started researching. We Now, mind you, this is a month before the air show and researching names. And at that time we came up with 178 names to display. And I knew that there were some names that had not been mentioned because a month after my husband died, a guy that we went to school with had died as well. And there was, hadn't been a mention. So I felt terrible that his name people didn't know. So we started the boot display. So Operation Hero does the Fallen Heroes boot display where we display a boot for each service member that has died well in uniform. So it doesn't matter how they pass. It could be by taking their life. It could be by K-9 
KIA, an accident, an illness, but they were serving. So they are still serving. Um, and we line up the boots chronologically. And each boot has an American flag, a branch flag, and a name tag with their rank, their name, their angel date, and their branch, and then pictures. And then we also give the families the opportunity to write a little bio about them. And, and they can decorate the boot how they want, right? Because I actually went up north to see it. Oh, well, thank you. Yep. Give that opportunity to the families to decorate the boot to tell the story of their hero. And which are really amazing. I mean, the boots we get. And so we continue to raise money. We give back to the Gold Star families here in Utah, those that are in need. We give back to different organizations. And, you know, it's about helping. So all of everyone who works, I don't want to say works, everyone who volunteers for Operation Hero is just that. They're a volunteer. Everyone from the board members down. I'm a volunteer. My board members are volunteers. None of us take a paycheck. Um, we give the money right back. What has it meant to you to be able to do this? Oh, it's, there's no words to describe it. I mean, when I am at the, the Memorial Day events, when we put out the boots, I like to step back and just watch people come in. My husband is not front and center. It means to watch these people come in and watch them take a deep breath or realize how many that we've lost. That right there, I know that we've touched them. Or a service member that comes in and they recognize a name. I want them to remember, know that we're not going to forget. Do you have people that come in there and maybe they see their family member or someone they know that brings them to tears? Oh, all the time. We've had guys drop to their knees. Um, this last Memorial Day, we had a veteran who came and sat, we gave him a chair and he sat there for probably about an hour. And, oh yeah, it's the most moving experience and even for families to bring in their young kids and explain that right oh, there needed. yes and that means so much when they walk in and they tell the kids you know you got to be quiet because it is we tell people it's similar to walking into a museum in dc you're quiet you pay respect but for them to walk in and explain this is why today why we have today you know memorial day is about the fallen is it bittersweet for you to be a member of the Gold Star family? <sighs> a club you don't want to become part of. Um, a club no one wants to be a part of. Um, it is. I mean, it's hard to be a part of it because you know why you're a part of it, but you also meet some amazing families and we become a family. And now right there, we support each other. And it is it's very bittersweet. And, you know, I have had uh, Jenny Taylor and Mindy Holmgren have both been guests on my podcast. And man, you ladies are all so amazing. The strength that you need to exhibit for your families, the strength to keep going on days when you don't want to. Yeah. Well, thank you. It is. You find that inner strength you dig deep, you know, sometimes you have to dig a little bit deeper and amazing families. And that's just one thing I hope people in Utah understand. There are so many families. Sadly, we put out over 300 boots 
since 9-11. And, you know, these families have all sacrificed. They've all lost. And so I do this boot display for them. I want them to know that we will remember. And I know Tracy would want the same. It's imperative that we don't forget and that people understand. Where can we find you online? So you can find us at operationheroes.org and also on Facebook. On Facebook, it's Operation Hero Tracy. And then on Instagram is operation.hero. Can you share, Antoinette, what America means to you? Yes, I can. So what it means is it's about having the opportunity to fulfill my dreams and goals and to teach my kids to do the same. That freedom, walking down the street, and also about being able to love and understand each other. Knowing that every person you meet or you walk by has a story. And instead of judging what they may be wearing, I think as Americans, we should wonder what is their story? Because we're all so unique in what we do. I love that. Thank you for sharing your American story with us. Thank you for having me on. What a powerful, raw story. Antoinette is a warrior in her own right, keeping the memory of our warriors alive in our hearts and minds. For more information on Operation Hero, visit operationheroes.org, on Facebook at Operation Hero Tracy, and on Instagram at operation.hero. Have you left the We the People Our American Story podcast a review or a rating yet? If you haven't, why not? You're here and you know how important these stories are for people to hear. Those few seconds helps grow this podcast. And while we are at it, don't forget to subscribe and share with family and friends. My next guest is Jason Schechterly. Jason was an Arizona police officer. He had only been on the job for a little over a year when a taxi cab slammed into the back of his patrol car, causing it to burst into flames. You won't want to miss this one. See you on Friday.